Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Well, after Saturday's exciting game, the Pirates look to come out Sunday afternoon to take the series from the San Diego Padres. Unfortunately, fell just a bit short after a late-inning rally by the Friars. Gave them the edge in the series. They took it two games to one over the Pirates. And we're going to talk about just exactly what we saw this weekend. Hello, everybody. Welcome back inside to Bucks Dugout. Talk the plank of Pirate Pittsburgh Pirates podcast, episode 62 of our bi-weekly podcast. Jake Slobodnik joining you. Nathan Hirsch has the day off after he flew the 747 alone last time out. So we're going to give him a break today and hope you can join me in the conversation here today. We're coming to you live from Spotify Live, and we're going to discuss the Pirates three-game series with the San Diego Padres. As mentioned before, Pirates coming up on the short end of that stick, falling two games to one. Uh, Sunday's game going to San Diego in the uh, rubber match. Five to two, that one. Uh, Padres took that one after a late ninth inning two run uh, frame. The, the Padres were able to run away with the game, essentially. Some things going on there. Saturday's game, lots of fireworks, not just after the game, if you were there in person, courtesy of Zambelli Fireworks. It was a good game all around. Friday sort of set the tone, made us think that maybe the, pod, the Pirates were going to get swept again, but. That is not to be. So we're going to talk about all three of those games here today. Let's start with the aforementioned Friday contest. 7-3 to three was the final. Padres able to put up two runs in the third, fifth, and sixth innings and add just another one to put the nail in the coffin in the seventh. The Pirates mustered three runs, two of them coming in the first off starter, Yu Darvish. Zach Thompson looked a little rough for the Pirates, and again, he looked rough for the Pirates. Four earned runs in four and a third innings, only gave up three hits, walked two, but Gave up a home run to Hassan Kim. Jake Cronenworth then homered off Sam Howard. 
Uh, it was just a big power day for the Padres that helped him climb to that win. You Darvish went six innings, gave up eight hits, three earned runs, gave up a walk and struck out five, probably his best outing in a while for the Padres. Taylor Rogers came in in the ninth and knocked down his eighth save, handed Thompson his third loss of the season. I think that game can be credited to bullpen management. Derek Shelton bringing in Aaron Fletcher once again in a high leverage situation. Didn't really work in his favor, really didn't go the way he wanted it. Um, but we did see the debut of Bo Salser. He looked absolutely amazing. Two innings pitched, uh, walked three, but did strike out one. I thought he struck out two, but the official scoring has only one strikeout. Uh, but nonetheless, it was two shutout innings in his major league debut. So congratulations, Bo Salser. In that game, Andrew Vogelbach, Diego Castillo, and Andrew Knapp both had two hits. Vogelbach going home with Two RBIs on the game. Diego Castillo with the third run for the Pirates. He drove in. But other than that, not much uh, not much doing for the Pirates that day. Jack Sawinski at one for four in the game. Michael Chavis, one for four. Started lower in the lineup, but still got on base. Um, Sawinski and Brian Reynolds, both uh, four left on base throughout the first game. Uh, Brian Reynolds was somebody we're going to be talking about, too, because he started off cold, and after riding a bit of a slump, he actually started picking himself up at the end of the series. We're going to talk about him a little bit as well. Saturday's game was a complete turnaround. After the Padres uh, faced a one nothing deficit after one inning, uh, they put up three, innings in, or three runs in the fourth inning. The Pirates came back to tie it in the fifth. And in the eighth inning, that's where things really picked up and the fireworks started coming out. The Padres put up two runs in the top half. Manny Machado took David Bednar to right center field, put one in, putting one in the bleachers and giving Bednar his first earned run of the year. But in the bottom of the eighth, when all things looked bleak, Michael Chavis came up. Uh, Nathan Hirsch's big hero came up and delivered with a line drive two-run shot part of a two for four, three RBI day for Chavis. Uh, he didn't really start out too well, picked up a pair of strikeouts, but it's uh, really what matters in the late innings that he, that he had and what helped the pirates sort of come back. Um, also happening for the pirates in that game, Josh Van Meter had a nice little RBI double to right center field. Uh, nobody really expected that, but he did that and helped the pirates uh, sort of add to their tally. Went one for four in the day with that lone RBI. And then in the bottom of the 10th, the Pirates were down 6-5 to five at the time after the runner from second scored in the top half of the inning. All looked bleak for the Pirates, but Brian Reynolds came up after uh, Key Brian Hayes drove home the uh, RBI, uh, the, goes, the phantom runner on second, that is. And Brian Reynolds hit one down the right field line, chalked up as an error on Eric Hosmer, but honestly, it was hit hard enough that I would have changed it to maybe a hit. Uh, Hayes rounded third, headed for home, slid in head first, or dove in head first, I should say. Was initially called out by uh, home plate umpire, uh, I forget his name at, at the moment, but slid in head first, initially called out. Then after an official review, he was deemed safe, and the Pirates walked it off winners. And that sort of split the series and made way for this afternoon's game, both teams with one win apiece. It was all up. To this one, the Padres jumped out to a one nothing lead in the third, and they added three or two more in the top of the seventh. Pirates got on the board in the seventh and in the eighth, but they only climbed back within one. And then a two uh, a two run ninth inning sort of put the Padres 
away for good. Uh, very questionable decisions in this game, and we'll talk about it. Mitch Keller looked dominant in the Sunday bouts, uh, but unfortunately suffering his fourth loss of the year. We're going to talk about him a little bit and why I think, you know, his, despite him being four losses, I think, you know, he still deserves some time. We'll talk about that going up. Uh, JT Brubaker, we're going to talk about him too. Uh, we're pretty much going to talk a lot about pitching and some of the lineup decisions that we saw this weekend, but ultimately the Padres walking away with a five to two win on Sunday, taking home the series. The Pirates now with an off day on Monday, have a chance to regroup against the Detroit Tigers on Tuesday. We'll talk about that later as well. So let's start with Friday's game. Uh, Zach Thompson looked bad again for the Pirates. Again, we talked about four earned runs in four and a third innings, um, gave up home run to Hassan Kim. Uh, just, it was right down the middle, essentially. That that pitch was it had no business being where it was, but Thompson, we all saw that his uh, control and pitch decisions have been a little um, suspect lately, and it proved to be disastrous right there as Kim drove one deep out of the park. Um, and then later in the game, when the Padres were threatening, I think it was, I think it was in that fifth inning, uh, the Padres had runners in scoring position. It was still tied at the moment. And out of all people in the bullpen, Derek Shelton opts to go with um, Miguel Del Pozo 2.0 and Aaron Fletcher. He gives up an earned run. One of those earned runs going back to Thompson. Um, and that's just sort of what put the Padres away for good in that game. Heath Hembry and Sam Howard each gave up an earned run um, in an inning pitched each. Uh, so ultimately just not a good pitching day for the Pirates despite out hitting, you know, despite a great offensive day, I mean, out hitting the Padres 10 to seven pitching is what really cost him in the end. Um, it really spoiled the, uh, the looks of Daniel Vogelback and Diego Castillo um, in that game. And of course, Andrew Knapp, a rare two point or two hit game, uh, just bad pitching all around. And that's sort of, and I questioned the decision to bring in Aaron Fletcher just cause I, I mean, he, it, the, Proof speaks for itself, or his his line speaks for himself. The guy is not good in high leverage situations. He's more of a mop up rule guy. Um, he was questioned why he was even brought into Pittsburgh uh, when they claimed him off waivers, even before the season started. Um, I still question that. I question why uh, Shelton went for him instead of uh, you know anybody else that's worth a damn in that bullpen. Um, if it was a matchup thing, I. I, I don't know. I don't know what was going on in Derek Shelton's head, why he thinks Aaron Fletcher is the next like big thing in the bullpen. But to me, he's just another Miguel Del Pozo 2.0. I tweeted that out during the game and it got some nice traction on it. So people obviously agree that this is just another tank master, I guess. I don't even know if we're going to say tank master because I don't think the pirates are in that spot to tank again. If they are, the fan base would just absolutely be livid. Um, but yeah, that's another thing I don't understand. Heath Hembree's looking a little shaky, shaky for the Pirates after starting off pretty good, I would say. He wasn't locked down like some of the other guys in that bullpen. But uh, yeah, Heath Hembree looked a little rusty, uh, and he's looking pretty bad, honestly. Not walking too many people, but striking out or uh, but giving up uh, hard hits, and earned runs is definitely one thing that's really towering over him. Sam Howard continues to be Sam Howard. I don't know when the row or the end of the rope is for him. Uh, hopefully it's soon because he hasn't really shown anything. He hasn't really shown anything to the pirates fan base since the, uh, break or the cracking down of spider tech and sticky stuff. Again, there's no real correlation to that. There's nothing proven that Sam Howard was using that, but it's just so coincidental that after all that, all the cracking down of that, that's when he sort of just tapered off. Um, 
and he hasn't really looked that good since. Uh, again, we mentioned already Bo Seltzer looked good, so we're not going to highlight him too much. Let's flash forward to Saturday's game. Another uh, great offensive day for the Pirates, out hitting the Padres 8-7. to A uh, very slim margin there, but nonetheless, the Pirates still did that. That's the thing. The Pirates were hitting pretty well um, in the first two games, just delivering the – or plating the runners that are on base at get on is just a little it's it's a little, it was really complicated to do for the pirates um key brian hayes and michael chavis each went two for four uh chavis again that big two-run home run finished the day with three rbis only limited his uh it only limited himself to two runners left on base he did not look like he had a bad day at all it wasn't he was looked pretty good honestly it looked like uh pretty much what we saw when we first got him from the red Sox and uh it kind of carried over into Sunday too, even though he was only used as a pinch hitter once. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but keep Ryan Hayes really on a hot streak hitting wise. And we'll cover that after uh, we recap the Sunday finale, Brian Reynolds broke the slump that he was in, got a hit, got two walks on the day. Um, and overall, he just looks more patient. He looks more patient, more comfortable at the plate. Doesn't look scared like he normally did in the first few weeks. Um, I don't know if that was because of the illness he was dealing with or possible COVID strike that he had, um, I don't know if that's that slump can be credited to him feeling sick, but it's good to see that he looks better out on the plates. So he doesn't look as shaky as he did in the opening weeks of the season. Uh, Jake Marisnik, man, <laughs> we can't uh, talk about Saturday's game without talking about his contributions. He didn't make not not one, but two highlight reel catches that, in my opinion, helped keep the Pirates in that game. If he doesn't make those catches, the Padres continue to pile on the runs, and we're talking about a potential sweep here going into Sunday. Uh, but, you know, he may not be doing much at the plate right now, but he is doing so much in the outfield. I know Sunday's game might be a little bit more questionable with that statement just because it looked like he made a few poor choices on Sunday, but I'm going to give him credit where credit's due. Saturday, he looked absolutely phenomenal. And I'll, if I have to give credit where credit's due, I'll give it to Josh Van Meter as well. An RBI double, not many people thought he was going to do anything, but um, <laughs> he uh, earned himself probably another solid five games of starting time, which I know fans don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that, but that's just seem, that seems to be uh, the law of the jungle here. Diego Castillo had a hit in that game. So did Roberto Perez. Perez also had another hit. Uh, Sunday's game, an RBI single. And um, two people had two hit games. Jack Sawinski, who I personally think he is really settling into the major league system. I don't think he's, I don't think he's a bust. I don't think he's terrible. I think it just took him a little bit of a learning curve to get acclimated. I mean, he jumped the whole way from double A Altoona to uh, the MLB level, completely bypassing triple A, albeit on different circumstances. It's not like he was a prized possession for the pirates and, uh, he, they just they they rushed him to the show. That's not the case. He was sort of called up in emergency time, uh, but since then he's looked pretty solid. Uh, two for three today. Nothing more you can ask about or ask him from that. A run as well. Only left one on base. Didn't strike out. Um, and if we look over the uh, the past two games, Saturday and Sunday, hasn't struck out once. So he's patient at the plate. He picks out good pitches. He's not like. Not like a guy who's going to go down swinging and missing most often. Uh, he's going to try to put bat on ball. He's done that fairly well, I would say, since he's come up. And I will say it is surprising to me that Derek Shelton has been starting him almost every day. I thought he was going to start him one day, 
after he gets his first major league hit, then he would sit the rest of the way, sort of like uh, Marcano. And I know it's a different scenario, but I really thought that uh, Sawinski was going to get, um, wasn't going to get as much action as he has been, but I'm glad to see that Derek Shelton is trusting him in the outfield. And I hope we see more of that going forward. Um, talking about Michael Chavis, he brought in for one at bat in Sunday's finale, uh, went over O with a sacrifice fly that at least got the pirates within one of the Padres. So, uh, like him or hate him, Chavis has been delivering this weekend, and I think he's really earned some solid, solid playing time. Why he didn't start this game is beyond me. And Derek Shelton can't say matchup because, I mean, last night his home run was against a right-hander in Stephen Wilson. So if he's going to claim that putting a right-handed batter on a right-handed pitcher, I know Musgrove is different than Stephen Wilson, but um, I would have given Chavis at least another opportunity to play and I would have put him at first base in my opinion. Uh, he played solid defensively Saturday um, and Sunday. You look at what Yoshi Satsugo did two out two of four. And I'm going to say they're Mickey, Mickey mouse hits. I'm, I don't want to downplay Yoshi Satsugo more than I already am uh, just because I feel like it's unfair to players to downplay them as much, but he's two for four, but he blooped one into left field that still resulted in an out of some sort. Brian Reynolds thrown out third on that. And, then Yoshi got lucky. Had he lined one right back to uh, the relief relief pitcher at the time, I think it was uh, Suarez, lined one back to him in and out of his glove. You, you, so love it or not, uh, that could have been a line out, uh, but thankfully for him, it went down as a hit. So I would take those two for two hits with a grain of salt. I don't think Yoshi has been uh, spectacular at all, and I think Pirates Twitter would agree with me. Um, you look at his defense at first base and he is just looking so shaky. He can't pick one out of the dirt anymore. Um, I don't understand how they, they gave Cole Tucker the throwing error on Yoshi Satsuko's missed pick. Now I understand that, you know, it wasn't a spot on throw, but as a first baseman, you have three primary goals and that's pick one out of the dirt, extend when needed and overall just receive a throw that's right at you. Those are the three things you need to do as a first baseman. Yoshi Satsugo can't do – I haven't seen him stretch too much, but I'm going to credit that to a small sample size, not many that he could stretch up to get. Um, but watching over the past few nights, Yoshi has looked terrible trying to pick one out of the dirt. Um, and overall, Chavis looks so much better. He looks more comfortable at first base, especially on awkward throws. It was yesterday. I think it was – a throw by Diego Castillo. Don't quote me on that, but I think it was an Aaron throw by him. Not an Aaron throw, but definitely one that wasn't hundred percent accurate. Uh, Chavis was able to keep his footing on the base, snow cone it and make sure that the out was secured. It was ultimately, uh, I think they were called. Um, I think they were initially called out and then Padres tried to challenge it, but ultimately the uh, call stood. And I owe a lot of that to Michael Chavis for the way he handled that play because that was one where you, you know you're thinking multiple things at one time, and you know it's 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 something where you don't have much reaction time to do. And Chavis looked absolutely um, very calm throughout that entire thing. Ice in the veins. There was no you know he wasn't too scatterbrained. He was just focused on making the play, which he ultimately did. Then you go to Sutsugo on Sunday. He just I don't know about him. He just looks so scared at the plate. Looks scared on defense. It's it's hard judging how exactly he's playing because I mean, 
you can't you can't look you can't show your fear on the field. But when I look at Yoshi Satsuki when he's at the plate, I can tell just by looking at him that he's thinking, "Oh my god, I I have to I have to make a hit. I have to make a hit, or I'm going to get caught." Like it's almost like he's thinking before he hits instead of just going up there and swinging the stick. I mean, he, he just does not look comfortable to me. It's 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 so. This is a good time for analytics because I just want to see how much. You know, he either chases or, I mean, yeah, he looks at pitches, but at the same time, it's, there's got to be a fine line in what a guy can do before you really give him the ax. And Satsugo has not only had, you know, multiple chances in the MLB, he, I mean, thinking about it with the Dodgers and the Rays, he didn't do too much for the Pirates. He looked good for a short period of time last season, but now he comes in and he's just, he's batting a buck 94 and it should be lower in my opinion, if, we're being honest. Those two hits shouldn't have even happened, but they did. Um, so Satsugo not really performing at first base. I would like to see more or more Michael Chavis there, or even as we approach, you know, this time where service time can't, you know, you got another year of service time and, you know, rosters start to look different. I would give Mason Martin a possible shot at first base. If you look right now in triple a, he is absolutely bashing the ball. Four home runs, 17 RBIs. And before you even say it, 25 strikeouts, I know. But I would rather have a guy who's got a 303, 349, 671 slashing line than a guy who can't even pick one out of the dirt. And Mason Martin, I'm trying to look at his defensive errors or his defensive stats. And I might have to look at that a little bit more. But to me, I don't see many people picking on him for possible errors. I would rather see him at first base getting reps than Yoshi Satsugo, who has proven that he is more of a liability, hasn't really done much, hasn't done much to prove himself on this team. And that's just the way my thinking is. I don't know how other people would sort of stack it up. Maybe people would say that it's unfair to, to think that about Satsugo because you know, he's competing against Chavis and Vogelback, who both can play first base and, you know, it's a strong competition. Well, in my opinion, tough toenails. Yoshi Satsugo, I think his time is ending. Is ending. It's coming to a close, and I think the Pirates are going to make moves. They should make moves to get better people that are better suited for this position and are better suited at the plate on the field instead of a guy who might have a hit here and there. I mean, last night at the game when I was there, every time Yoshi came up in a high-leverage situation, whether he succeeded or not, I was like, you know, this is just not the matchup I want to see. I don't want to see Yoshi Satsugo up at the plate because I either know it's either going to be a high flyout or it's going to be a strikeout. God forbid, it might actually be a double play. So, you know, when your mindset is like that, you can't see a guy anymore. Like, I, you can't see a guy like that on the field anymore. I mean, Ben Gamble, you might have the same ideology about him, but at least he can put bat on ball more often. He makes it up in the field too. I mean, he's him and Mariznick look fantastic on the field when there's a, a risky hit ball hit to them they make sure that that play is made or at least they give 110 percent each time yoshi just looks lost on the field so let's talk about something good though brian reynolds we talk about you know how he struggled at the beginning of the year but now he looks a lot better last night uh when he was you know saturday night's game one for three with an rbi two walks just demonstrated great plate discipline, which he's always had, but it looked so much better this weekend. It looked like he was really trying to focus on taking pitches and drawing walks as opposed to trying to make everything happen with, with putting a ball in play. And that's what we need more of. He drew another walk uh, Sunday afternoon, went one for two, scored a run as well. Now gets his average above 200, which we like to see. Maybe he's on, he's due for an upward trend. Um, 
so I hope Brian Reynolds, I mean, obviously his glove in the field speaks for itself. We can't really uh, talk too much more about that. Um, but he's looked so much better this weekend. Key Ryan Hayes looks the same, <laughs> and that's in a good term. It's currently standing at a 333 average and 841 OPS after Sunday's finale. That's definitely something good for the young Key Brian. I would like to see him get a home run or more extra base hits here and there, but I'll tell you what, for a guy who is putting bat on ball, finding gaps, finding holes in the infield, and putting into the outfield, Hayes is doing his job no matter where he is in the order. That's the best thing about him. He can lead off. He can bat third. He can bat second even. And I'm sure if you put him down in the bottom of the order, which not many, no many, I wouldn't want to see, and many fans probably don't want to see either, he could probably generate some production there too. Um, so we have to at least highlight what Hayes has been doing in terms of his contributions. I'm um, trying to do some quick math from the weekend overall. One for four on Friday. Um two for four on Saturday. So he's already three for eight and one for three on Sunday, uh, four for 11, not a terrible look to the weekend for Hayes. Uh, so he did his job at the plate. Would have liked to see maybe a multi-hit game today, but I mean, you can't, you can't complain too much about what key Brian's done. So uh, we're just in this point, we're just beating a dead horse. I want to talk about Mitch Keller a little bit too, because I have been a Mitch Keller hater for, you know, probably since I've started this show last year and, you know, Nathan can back me up and I'm sure the tweets speak for themselves, but I really thought today was his best outing. And today holds a little bit more weight. Um, six innings pitched five hits given up only one earned run given up. Didn't walk a batter at all and five strikeouts. And this is coming against a lineup where you got guys like Jake Cronenworth, Manny Machado, Eric Hosmer, who made the Pirates pay dearly Saturday with three-run shot to the opposite field, Hassan Kim, who's looked good this entire series. But Mitch Keller was able to keep his cool, and after giving up a run to, I think it was Machado, yes, Manny Machado in the third inning of play, Mitch Keller otherwise looked very, very solid today. And I think this should speak for how well he's sort of picked up his game Um Velo's looking a lot better. Uh, I think he clipped, he clips a hundred actually in the late innings. So uh, he was able to carry that over. Unfortunately, um, I think he only finished with 60 something pitches. I'll have to look at that. Oh no, he finished with 85. Okay. I don't know why I thought um, he finished with 60 something, but 85 total pitches, 56 strikes. That's not a bad day at the office for him. Um, Chase DeYoung, two unearned runs given up. Uh, still an ERA of zero, uh, but I'm just going over some of the bullpen things we see today. But going back to Mitch Keller, definitely looks a lot better today than he did last time out. And um, overall, I think he's starting to ride a bit of a hot streak. If you can put up numbers like that against a good opponent like the Padres, your future looks definitely brighter than uh, what it's been, you know, what what your past has been. Um, we also want to talk about JT Brubaker, who pitched yesterday. I will eat crow here. I put out a meme through the Bucks dugout Twitter. Yes, that was me. I think anybody with a, with a pulse will know that I am not a Brubaker fan. Give three-run shot to Eric Hosmer, and that just soured my mood on him. But looking at the general scheme of things, five innings, those that home run was pretty much the only bad part of the game. Struck out four, walked one, gave up only five hits. That's not a bad day at the office for Brubaker. Definitely better than what he's um, normally showing. Dylan Peters looked good out of the bullpen. 
Uh, so the pitching yesterday looked really good, and that all started with Brubaker. I think that was definitely one of his better outings, and if we see more of that going forward, it would have been nice to see um, – oh, here we go. I was thinking Keller finished with 66, but it was actually Brubaker that finished with 66 yesterday. I would have liked to see him maybe go another inning just to see what he's got. Uh, but, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not going to downplay Derek Shelton turning to Dylan Peters with the way he's been pitching lately. Um, but going back to Brubaker, 66 total pitches, 42 strikes. I mean, the guy was hitting the zone. He looked comfortable other than that three-run shot. Um, and I think that was more of a – I don't want to say a fluke home run because Hosmer does have power, but it's definitely harder to hit an opposite field home run on that sort of pitch, and Hosmer was able to do that. I think simulations would agree that that's not happening most of the time. So I will not credit that too much to Brubaker. Um, Things like that happen. Not every outing is perfect. So I'll give Brew Baker the uh, benefit of the doubt in that one. And despite the three-run home run, he did look much better after that. He didn't let it get to him and sort of settled down after that. And I think that's one thing that it, it's it's a mental game, you know, and especially with Brew Baker, you don't want to um, you don't want to get in your own head after something like that. And I think that's something he's been doing lately. And that's why sort of whenever, you know, when one run comes across, the whole the whole automobile just starts to uh, starts to fall apart. And thankfully, yesterday he kept a cool head, realized, hey, I got a team behind me that can put up runs, uh, do good offensively, and we got some guys in the bullpen that can help me out. So, you know, I'm going to stay calm. I'm going to go five at least, um, and you know, do my job at least on that part. One thing I did notice about Saturday's game while being there, Derek shall not never used a mound visit. And I found that kind of suspicious because it's not like his pitchers were doing bad, but it seems like in any sort of negative atmosphere, his first resolution was to pull him and go with the bullpen. And I get bullpens or Shelton's bullpen management has looked a lot better in recent weeks, but I would have at least used maybe a mound visit, at least with Will Crow. I think that, you know, Saturday Crow looked a little shaky giving up a run and a walk, not striking out anybody. Um, but I would have, I would have liked to seen maybe a, a mound visit before going straight to Bednar. Um, Bednar, I think should have been saved for the ninth inning and Stratton. You have him for those extra innings instead of using him in the ninth and the 10th. Um, and I think it might've had a better result had he just used a mound visit. But I mean, that's just my opinion. I think that, you know, obviously it worked out for him Saturday night, uh, but Sunday kind of bit him in the rear end a little bit, uh, pitching Stratton on yet another day, uh, two thirds of an inning. He gave up two runs, uh, two of them or both of them earned actually. And that drove up his ERA a little bit. So I don't know what he was turning to, but I think they were credited also uh, because it was after Miguel Hurray was brought in and we all know Miguel Hurray is just not a good relief option. Um, so, it's you think what you want. I would have thought that maybe the bullpen management could have been a little bit better this weekend. Um, and I know what do I know? I'm not a guy in the major leagues. I'm just a guy who's podcasting, and I'm, I can already hear the comments saying that. But um, overall, I think it's time for your hurry to go. I think bullpen management needs tightened up just a little bit. I think it's maybe getting to Derek Shelton's head a little bit, just how well it's been working out. Because uh, I think he's over relying on it too much instead of you know just letting the guys do their thing. Um. That's, you know, that could also be, you know, just something they looked up, you know, maybe they had a meeting about it. Like we're any sign of trouble, we're pulling you because of this, you know, how good of a team this is, uh, the good of the team that we're facing is, 
Um, and overall, it worked Saturday, did not work Sunday. Um, Musgrove came back to Pittsburgh, gave up seven hits, but only one earned run, struck out eight, um, picked up the win his fourth of the year, and helped the Padres take the series two to one against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, the Pirates will have an off day on Monday, and they will travel to Detroit for a two game mini series starting Tuesday. Bryce Wilson is the tab starter. Uh, he will go against Michael Pineda. But I think it might be another opener situation, at least in my opinion, it should be with the way it worked last time. Peter's opening the game and uh, Wilson coming in. Both of them looked stellar that game. So don't be surprised if we see um, Derek Shelton utilize the opener in that game. Then Wednesday in the finale, uh, that's a 110 start. The Tuesday game is a 710 start in Detroit. The finale is at 110. We're see Jose Quintana going against Tark Scooball. Um, Quintana looked great in his first, in his last outing. That was, um, striking out nine hitters did get the loss, but ultimately looked so much more comfortable than he did in the outing prior. And with this Detroit team, that's seven and 13, um, thought of as one of the better younger squads in the MLB to start the season. Um, let's take a look at what they've done so far. I think the pirates could possibly take both of these games if they are on point And if the management is a little bit better than what we've seen, um, Detroit seven and 13, as we mentioned, trying to pull up their team here. So we can take a look at just how we, they've been doing lately. They won against the Dodgers, um, yesterday on Saturday night. Um, but they're still playing them right now. But prior to that, they were on a five-game losing streak, getting swept by the Minnesota Twins and losing to the Colorado Rockies on that Sunday, the 24th, 6-2, then losing the first two of the series to L.A. So they're not in the greatest of spots right now. The only notable thing that they've had to their credit so far is Miguel Capers, uh 3,000 hit. But other than that, as a team, they haven't been playing the best of ball. The Pirates are at least staying competitive in these games they're playing. Um, I know it's not that big of a sweep, or it's not really a sweep if they win two in a row. But I think uh, the Pirates have a good chance here to take both of these games. And then after that, they actually face the Cincinnati Reds for the first time. The Reds heavily struggling this year, 3-19. and I don't know how they got this bad, but, I mean, they are just – I, mean, I think the offseason sort of spoke for itself in what direction the Reds are going in, and that's they don't have a direction. Um, three and 19 on the season. That could be, I think, the biggest chance for the Pirates to earn their first sweep. They have another off day Thursday. They start the series Friday at 640 at Great American Ballpark. So I'm going to say in these two series, I don't know when Nathan's going to want to record. I would say after the Cincinnati series, but we could record after, after Detroit. Um, that'll be up for discussion. I say that they take both of them from the Detroit Tigers. And you know what? For sake of being optimistic this time around, I'm going to say they sweep the Reds too. Um, So I'm going to say they go on a five-game winning streak after today. I think the offense is going to click a little bit better. I think Brian Reynolds is starting to find that momentum is going to work well. Daniel Vogelback had a bit of a cold streak this weekend, but I think good off day will help him uh, dearly, and I think he'll look better in these uh, next two series. Um, uh, Pitchers are still TBD for the Cincinnati Reds series. So I uh, can't really speak on the pitching matchups that we see there, 
But I will say, I think the Pirates do take both of them from uh, Detroit, and I think they're going to sweep the Reds just with how bad they're playing. I think that's going to be a good pick-me-up series for the Pirates. You know, get three easy wins from the Reds, who have been heavily struggling. Um, If they face Hunter Green, they might have a little bit of difficulty, but, I mean, there's really nothing going for the Reds right now. Joey Votto's hitting, I think, 124 or something. He's not hitting that great. So even the guy that they're putting all their marbles on is just not doing so well. So this is a good time for the Pirates. The time to win is now, and I think they could absolutely do that. Um, so we'll see what they can do. And like I said, not sure when Nate's going to want to recap these series. If not, maybe re- uh, record Thursday after the tiger series and then record again Sunday after the red series. But you can find out more about that on bucks dugout on Twitter. And we will recap those series when the time comes. Just to leave, uh, leave off on this episode and a little bit of optimism, Minor league system looking good for the Pirates right now. They got two hitter or three hitters hitting above 300 in AAA. One of them being Josh Bissonette, who I never saw as the guy to you know hit consistently. Six for 19 so far this season. Only played in six games. A very small sample size, but got to give credit where credits due because you know a fall off could happen at the snap of a finger, and you may never hear from Josh Bissonette again. Cal Mitchell 305, 391, 542 slashing and. Martin's, as we mentioned, slashing 303, 349, 671. Uh, Martin leads the team in triples with four, uh, has four home runs on the season, tied with, I think he's tied. No, he leads the team in homers with four, and also in RBIs with 17. So, uh, Charrington, if you're listening to this, I would definitely consider giving Mason Martin a promotion here soon, getting Yoshi off the roster, clearing a space for him, possibly Cal Mitchell too just the way he's been playing through 18 games this season, 18 of 59 at the plate, uh, five doubles, three homers, not too bad. So the youth, they're on their way. G1 Bay also looks pretty good. Had a five hit performance the other night, just fell a triple side cycle, I believe. Um, O'Neill Cruz still struggling, but you know, I don't really credit that too much. I think he's just sort of annoyed at this point that he's not in the MLB. So I think we could see a lot of youth come up here shortly and I think the Pirates could definitely look a lot different in the coming weeks. Let's see what they do. Now that the manipulation time for service time has sort of passed us, I think we're going to see a little bit of a different look and different landscape for the Pirates um, in the coming weeks. Well, that'll do it. The Pirates falling two games to one in the three-game series against the Padres over the weekend. Definitely not a bad series at all. Uh, obviously, you want to see them win the series, possibly sweep. But for a team like the Padres in a tough NL West division, Came into the weekend 14 and 7, or 13 and 7, excuse me, and they finished the weekend with a record of 15 and 8. That's definitely not something to turn your nose up on. The Pirates, I think, played definitely, they definitely played competitively this weekend, and I think it's good momentum to carry into the two game set against the Tigers and again into the three game set against the Reds. Definitely a good stepping stone for them. We'll see how they handle in uh, Detroit here in a couple days. Again, they are off Monday. They pick things up back on Tuesday, 7-10 first pitch time at Comerica Park. Don't forget to follow Bucks Dugout on Twitter at Bucks Dugout. You can follow me at underscore Radio Jake, the biggest pirate cynic in the world. Come make fun of me on my Twitter. You can also follow Nathan underscore Hirsch on Twitter. He is not in the episode today, but we do want to spread some love his way. Go out, follow him as well. Uh, we've had a little bit of banter back and forth with the Michael Chavis uh, weekend that he's had. Uh, so, yeah, you might be able to see a little bit of banter from both of us. But that's all on that. And make sure to check out BucksDugout.com for more stories. We got some up from Austin Bechtold lately. He's dug a little bit into the statistical realm of things. Um, 
looking at some of the stories that are down there. They are updated daily. And uh, speaking of Austin Bechtold's writing, just wrote a story about Roberto Perez's defense. So if you want to go check that out, go to BucksDugout.com. And don't forget that we are live after every series here on Spotify Live. So if you want to join in the discussion, that's your way to do it. And make sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and everywhere you find your podcasts. This has been Talk the Plank, Episode 62 of Pittsburgh Pirates Podcast. I've been Jake Slobodnik signing off, and we'll see you next time.